So we're continuing this morning in our teaching series called Rooted, where we have been exploring our core values as a church and discovering how these values really act as roots for us. And not just because these have been our values for almost 13 years since we've been a church community, that's part of it, but they also are our roots because these are our core values that allow us to remain rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. We started with that image uh, from, uh, from the book of Ephesians where Paul prays that they would be rooted and grounded in God's love as a community of believers, that they would grow to know the full knowledge of God's love for them. And we started with that image of that, that great oak tree that, that grows roots down deep. And our desire, our hope as a church is that we would have those kind of values, those kind of roots that allow us to be rooted in nothing else but the love of Christ. Not right doctrine, not what we think might be political correctness, not just what becomes our own sort of self-righteousness, but Christ and his love. There's another image that we can see uh, and kind of how when we remain rooted and grounded in this love and we can grow together into a dwelling place of God, Ephesians says as well, we grow together to, to be that sort of temple together. Uh, there's another image that we have in, in the Gospel of Matthew. It comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 23. It says this, Beware of false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. A good, healthy tree produces good fruit. If we are rooted and grounded together in Christ's love, we can be sustained by these values, these core values and these roots that will allow us to produce fruit for the kingdom, the only kind of fruit that will last. In a time and place where it might feel easy to be tossed about by the winds of change or fear or turmoil or violence in our world, I believe we need roots that grow down deep, that sustain our spiritual growth so that we truly might develop that kind of fruit, the good fruit, the fruit that is yielded from life with a spirit that looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. So our third value that we're going to talk about today is called release, and it's sort of our outreach and our service piece, and I think it very much is connected to this because it's that kind of way in which we live our lives where people will know us by our fruit and by our love. They will know that we are followers of Jesus Christ because of how we serve and love others. We've talked about each of these core values each week, the first one being reveal helping people see Jesus through the hospitality of our gathering for worship. The second one was resurrect, learning to live the way of Jesus, experiencing that life-changing grace of Jesus Christ that sets us free 
And as we learn and grow and become more like him, we experience the resurrected life. And this week, our third value we're going to talk about is release. Creating measurable and sustainable change. Creating change by releasing the love of God into the world to make a difference in the name of Christ through our acts of service and mercy and justice. That's our mission statement at the top, joining Jesus in the revolution of transforming lives through teaching and serving. And we believe that through these three values, revealing the love of Jesus, growing in that love to become more like him, and then releasing it into the world, it's the revolution never ends. It continues, forming disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And that's our release value. So the passage of scripture that I want to take a look at this morning comes from Matthew chapter 25. And I'm actually going to do something different. I don't think I've ever done it (laughs) here. They're scared. I'm going to read from the message translation. How dare you? The message interpretation of scripture. It is an interpretation. And I'm, (laughs) Mike is leaving. (laughs) We typically stick with the English standard version. What some of you have told me is the extra spiritual version. Have you ever heard that? No? Just me? This is not working, Doug, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you roll with it. Okay. <clears throat> but I love this message translation, this interpretation of this passage, because I think it simplifies it for us, because it's kind of a tough one. So this is Matthew chapter 25. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats and ones to his left and say, get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering, and you gave me no clothes, sick and in prison, and you never visited. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? And he will answer them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. This is a tough passage of scripture. You may be saying, woo, bold choice, Rach. (laughs) This is one that preachers usually like to avoid because it might make us feel uncomfortable, might make us squirm a little bit. 
And I would argue that it would be easy that this is one that you like to preach judgment, that some, some preachers are into that. It's easy to only hear, I mean, the subtitle in some of our Bible says, the last judgment, before it begins right here in these verses. The final judgment, the separation of sheep and goats. In one translation, it says, depart from me, you who never knew me. Depart from me, you who are cursed to eternal fire. There's a theme in Matthew where a lot of people like to focus on those things. And it might be tempted for us to read this passage and feel like it's do this or else. As if we might be motivated to serve only out of fear. Motivated to serve only out of some threat of eternal fire and damnation somewhere at some time. But if we zoom out and look at the whole witness of scripture, and not just particular themes in one place, The whole witness of scripture shows us that this sort of works righteousness mentality that you just heard me define, do this or else, doesn't work. It's not how we earn the reward of heaven. In fact, it can't be earned. We serve not out of fear, not out of some threat of what's coming, but out of love. Because we understand the love of God that's first been poured out onto us. It's been revealed to us. We have surrendered and been changed by the love and grace of Jesus Christ. We have experienced the resurrected life. And so in response, we can't help but serve others out of that same love. Did you hear that? Reveal, resurrect, release. This passage, I don't think, is helpful to only focus on the judgment I think what it actually does is serve to simplify what serving the least of these actually looks like, which is why I like the the message version. Because us church people, we can make this too complicated. We can bring with it a lot of questions, a lot of shoulds and coulds and woulds and who's deserving and who's not. The reason I like this passage is because it doesn't allow us to to squirm in the vague, (laughs) to qualify, to make excuses. That's the conviction for me. There's no excuses. Not out of fear. But I can't make excuses here. Because this passage reveals the simplicity of what Jesus actually means when he says, serve the least of these. The forgotten, the overlooked. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. Not easy. Simple. This passage reminds us, shows us, that there are those people who get it and those who don't. There are those who understand what it means to serve the least of these and those who choose not to. There are those who seek to abide with Jesus, to live and to love like Jesus, to be empowered by his Spirit, Another plant sort of image we have in scripture of abiding with God, being connected to God the creator and father through Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. And out of response, we can't help but share about the love and freedom we found. And in that transformation, we develop fruit that actually matters. 
rooted in love. It's the love of God that transforms us and fills us and sustains us. The love of God that overflows and spills out. It's straightforward. It's simple. I can't make excuses. But it also gives us a chance to pause and ask our motivation as a church of just kind of a gut check moment. Why do we serve? You personally, us as a church, why do you feel motivated to serve? We might not realize it's out of fear, but it might be at some point. Do we serve out of threat or fear or that fear of punishment? Do you serve out of obligation or duty? Because it's what I'm supposed to do. That's a different spirit, right? Or do we serve because we understand the way of Jesus? We understand the one who called us and redeemed us and empowers us to live like him. Do we understand that when we actually see a neighbor in need, we are also seeing the face of Jesus? There are those who get that. There are those who don't. Do we as a church? This way of Jesus is something we talk a lot about. Thanks be to God. I'm glad, right? You're like, woo, yeah. Otherwise, what are we doing here? (laughs) All throughout scripture, we see Jesus going to the marginalized, the outcast, the sick, the hurting, the places no one else would go, and offering healing and wholeness. All throughout scripture, we see Jesus dwelling among the least of these, those overlooked and the forgotten, the cast out, the ignored, the people that religious officials and others, the powers that be, would have said were not worth their time, had no value in their grand scheme of how the world should work. And then we hear Jesus teaching about the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Just in the past 12 months of teaching series, we've talked a lot about the way of Jesus. We started the new year talking about how to live and love more like Jesus, making that a goal for our new year. And we learned that Jesus was a friend to the poor and the oppressed. I'm not sure. I can't remember, Doug, if this is on there. I don't think it is. It's a quote from Larry Stess. That's okay. Just hang with me. It's, it's all good. It's me. <laughs> As we watch Jesus engage with the relationships with the poor, we get a glimpse at how he moves in rhythm with God's heart. Jesus was a friend to the poor. Friendship with the poor and the forgotten comes natural to Jesus, as natural as breathing, that overflow spilling out from him that, we're desi- that we are called to do as well. You never see Jesus patronize or explore, exploit people. You never... He never forces his own agenda on them. Compassion and love are always his motivation, never pity. When you listen to the conversations Jesus has with people, you get a strong sense that he loves everyone he meets. And yet he seems to have a special affinity with those who are poor and marginalized. That came from the book that many of us read together by Larry Stess called Think Red. Learning to live and love like Jesus. Larry Stess reminded us that Jesus was a friend to the poor and the oppressed. He loved everyone he met. A 
couple of months ago, we had a teaching series where we talked about how every person is a person of worth and a child of God, how to live the way of love even when you don't like somebody, even if they annoy you, even if they really irritate you, even if you might call them an enemy. Whether you like them or not, whether you think they deserve it or not, whether they get on your nerves or not, every person is a person of worth and a child of God. In our Neighbor series in October, we talked about how your neighbor is anyone who is in need. Anyone. The story of the Good Samaritan clarifies that for us. Anyone who is in need, that's your neighbor. And can you really love your neighbor if you don't know them? Love is risking the vulnerability of being known by someone and knowing them. I'm talking about a kind of love and service that's risky. It takes getting out of your comfort zone a little bit, to cross boundaries and borders that the world likes to put us in, in little boxes, to go to places that other people tell us not to go to. But the way of Jesus compels us to go. The example of Jesus shows us that's the call. What it means to live like Jesus is to adopt those same values that he had, values like humility and friendship and downward mobility and generosity and hospitality and compassion. Sounds a lot like that list of fruit from the Spirit that we talk about. (laughs) A friend of Jesus, then, will also befriend his friends, the marginalized and the oppressed, And that, my friends, is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a kind of love, a kind of service motivated by this love of Christ that takes courage because it's risky. The world doesn't expect it. The world doesn't always champion it. The world doesn't always encourage us. But as Christians who would be known by the fruit that they produce, what I'm talking about here is our witness. That's our witness. This witness is risky. It takes courage. I do believe I have this quote, Doug. Thank you. This is a a professor that I had, uh, but he wrote a commentary in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit's poured out on all flesh, and he says, and you're going to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Dr. Willie Jennings says this, the disciples will be formed by the Spirit as witnesses. They will be turned out to the world, not as representatives of empires, but those who will announce a revolution, the revolution of the intimate God calling to the world. They will enter new places to become new people by joining themselves to those in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They will announce a revolution, revealing God's love, being transformed themselves by the grace of Jesus Christ, and releasing that love like a revolution into the world all by the power of the Holy Spirit that's been given to them. It's hard. It's risky. It takes courage. But Jesus says so many times, do not be afraid. Take heart, for I will not leave you as orphans. I will give you the power of my Spirit. I'm going to pause there because I'm going to get so excited, but Pentecost is not for another two weeks. So come back. We'll talk all about the outpouring of that Spirit on all flesh. Male and female and young and old. Oh, it's good stuff. 
That's the power that we need to be the revolution that announces God's reign in the world. As you can see, this core value that we talk about of release, from my perspective as your pastor, and I hope you're hearing it too, it is at the heart of everything that we do, as your core values should be, I'd hope. But they all work together, reveal, resurrect, release, this revolution that has no end, announcing this reign of God. I see our release value running all the way through who we are and what we do, motivated by the love of Christ to go and to be witnesses. As I've shared each week uh, in some of our founding documents that you can still find on our website, and this one needs to be updated, and we're going to talk about that next, but I've shared little snippets of what you find about who we are and our core values, and this is what it says. We see mission not as an activity, but as a way of life. It isn't another layer that adds more to what we have to do, but is the way of living out God's revolutionary love into the world. I read that this week and I had to take a pause. I had to take a moment because you know what? I'm busy. I know you're busy too. I got two kids. They like have to eat every day. (laughs) They are some of the neediest things I've ever been around. I can say that it's Mother's Day. And I love them so much it hurts. (laughs) Love them to pieces. But we're busy and we're tired and we have to-do lists and checklists. And sometimes, as your pastor... I'm admitting, being vulnerable, that I have to remember that serving is not just another layer of my life. This way of Jesus, this discipleship, whether it's worship, whether it's studying, whether it's serving, all of these things that allow us to grow in grace and become more like him, it's not just things that you notch off each day, each week, make you feel good about yourself, pat yourself on the back. Because if that was the case, I'd probably feel really crappy about myself a lot of the days of all the stuff I didn't get done. Y'all, I'm the type of person that at the end of the day, if I did something that wasn't on my list, I write it down so I can mark it off. Anybody else? Some days you just need a win, okay? But what I'm saying is that too often we take that mindset and we apply it to our faith. And we act as if living the way of Jesus is another layer of our multi-layered, faceted life. It's not. It's the core. It's the core of who we are. And maybe if you can't see it all the time, I can see it all the time. Release and service motivated by love is the core of who we are at Revolution Church. Y'all are doing it. Not because we each can earn it and merit it on ourselves. Not because each of you have gold stars, but because together, our witness together, the things that we partner together and do and accomplish together impact the kingdom of God beyond any one of you could do on your own. And that's what makes me proud of this, in a humble way, this church witnessing to the love of Christ in the world. This is not just another layer, another list of things to do, but it's an outgrowth of the love of Christ that we have experienced, that we desire, that we are passionate about, that we are excited about releasing into the world to continue God's revolution. The next slide, maybe the next one, (laughs) there it is. 
So in each of it, there's been sort of like bullet points under these core values of how we say that we live this out. And this is sort of from our founding documents, right, of how we are attempting to create measurable and sustainable change uh, through life skills initiatives like parenting, personal finance, self-care, literacy, through job skills training to help people become employable, through micro-economy micro creation to help micro-businesses change lives, and four, through community partnering to aid existing organizations and change. I want you to see this because this was originally who we were. But as the revolution never changes and releases and goes, this has also adapted over time. It's changed. And this has been a fun thing for me to learn because when I got here four years ago, this had already changed. And that's okay. It just means we need to update a few things. <laughs> we didn't lose anything. I think over the history of our, of our church, here we go, if you go back to that, it was the fourth one that we sort of, be, that we focused on, the community partnering to aid existing organizations and change. We say this, the goal of our release purpose, back one more, I'm sorry, Doug. The goal of our release purpose at Revolution Church is to offer strategic ministries that facilitate economic development in people's lives. We believe employability, life skills, education, and counseling are ways in which we can be God's revolution in the world. We agree with that? Yeah. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. I think that's awesome. But what I've learned from many of you and leaders over time is that that's a hard thing for one organization to do on its own, to generate all of these programs. <laughs> and we discovered over the course of our many years as a church that there were actually some amazing organizations in our city who were already doing this work. And so we could partner with them and have a greater impact together by not feeling like we had to, maybe if our space or whatever, not feeling like we had to host it all ourselves and reinvent the wheel and maybe even have the glory ourselves. That there were places like Family Scholar House where we could have Kid Book Club and Soul Feast and partner with the amazing work that Family Scholar House is doing to offer education and employability and those life skills and to create sustainable change. Partnering with places like Fourth Avenue and serving meals who were already in a community where they could have that direct impact where we weren't present, but we could partner together. And still, Go Ministries, one of our mission partners, partnering with the work that Go is doing, not only in the Dominican Republic, but around the world, to make disciples Empowering local leaders to make disciples of Jesus Christ through church planting, through sports programs, and through medical clinics in the DR. It seems like over the course of our history, we focused more on that number four, community partnerships, because together we can make a bigger difference and impact for the kingdom of God in those partnerships. But you know, then something wild happened. And there was a global pandemic. Not many of us saw that one coming. So this has evolved again. And partnerships that we had maybe didn't offer the same ministries anymore. Or maybe they didn't have people back in their building for over two years, like what happened at the Family Scholar House. They didn't have outside groups coming in to serve and doing fall kickoff events and fall festivals and book clubs. And over the course of our church and how it's changed and evolved, we've kind of unofficially adopted some new community partners some new mission partners that are still helping us live out these values of releasing the love of God into the world.
we kind of unofficially claim now. It's official, if I guess, if we all agree to it, but unofficially official, J-Town Area Ministries, our local food pantry in J-Town, that does so much more than just offer a food pantry for folks in need, but rent assistance and utility assistance and so many other things. We have a mission partner at Grace Kids, which is evolving as we speak, but still going to be serving the children in the neighborhood right there around Churchill Downs, helping them have a safe place to go and to learn about the love of God. We'll still have opportunities to serve there. As their pastor is reappointed, but takes on leadership still at Grace Kids. We have people here, so many, that go out every Saturday morning and serve through homeless Louisville, serving the forgotten and overlooked neighbors, humanizing them, treating them as people who are often ignored and not seen by looking them in the eye and telling them that they are a person of worth. And still, our partnership with Go Ministries, that's continuing to do incredible work as we partner with Pastor Raphael, who has served a church in Santiago for many, many years and is now planting a new community a church in Lamina. We are his sole support. And that is an honor to partner with the work that he is doing there. Another quote from our documents, the kingdom of God is the revolution that changes the world. People find their deepest needs fulfilled and justices are confronted. Needs are met. People use their resources to bring hope to others. Revolution Church is committed to releasing God's revolutionary love to others in the life of the world. Our partners may have changed over time, situations evolve, and yet still we are living out this core value of releasing God's love into the world. And I am so grateful for those many partners we have had, but the ones that we have now, where we are being a witness, I'd say, in Jerusalem of our hometown, in Samaria and Judea, or regional, and places like Samaria where we're told not to go, and through Go International to the ends of the earth. This is our witness. So you might ask, what are some opportunities that I have right now? I'd like to catch this spirit. I'd like to join in the revolution of God. What are some opportunities that we have? Well, they're, they're, they're pretty extensive. It's exciting. And I'm going to call out some people now. I didn't prepare them for this, but I'm going to. Every Saturday, we have folks that go out and serve. Vance Taylor is right here. He would... He's one of many, but he'd love to talk to you about needs that they have. I won't name call everybody. You're welcome. Yeah, you're just the, you're just the coordinator. Yeah. The first Friday of every month, we're still going to be serving at Grace Kids. Maybe not through the summer as they get settled in their new appointment, but Mike Schaefer and I would love to talk to you about what that'll look like the first Friday of every month. You can talk to Sharon and David Ayersman right here about what J-Town Area Ministries needs, how you can volunteer every week to serve, or you can donate items. We should bring our box over, shouldn't we? We need to bring our box over so we can continue our collections for our local pantry just down the road from our church building. You can support the ministries of Go by, by buying Collide Coffee. It's the best coffee ever. It's what we serve here. But all of the proceeds now, as they've rebranded, go towards supporting their medical clinic right there in Santiago. It's an amazing facility, y'all. They are doing incredible work. And by purchasing Collide Coffee, all of the proceeds are directly impacting Go Medical and the amazing stuff they're doing there. You can join us on a mission trip this summer. 
As we go to the Hinton Center, there are 15 of us going to Hayesville, North Carolina to serve at the Hinton Center. So I'm very, Gloria's one of them. There you go. You can talk to her after service. She's excited. But I'm also excited to tell you that we have another local opportunity that we are working on. Janice Miller-Smith right here is going to be coordinating for folks who'd like to work in town during the same week. Yay, Janice. Yay, service. We're in conversation with a couple of groups in Portland, and I wanted to have more information for you today, but it's coming. It's in the works. So June 24th through the 29th, 25th through 29th, that same time that we are going to be in North Carolina, many of you could have an opportunity to serve here uh, with Church of the Promise there in Portland and Hand in Hand Ministries uh, that one of their pastors is involved in. And then finally, we're going to have some info sessions and meetings in August, but I'm telling you now so you can save the dates and make plans. Summer of 2024, we're going back to the Dominican Republic and serving through Go. And I would love for so many of you to join us as we meet Raphael, we see that community that's developing and hopefully are able to offer a medical clinic in that community a few times. I uh, have a list going. If you are medical personnel, you can expect to be hearing from me soon. <laughs> but you don't have to be medically skilled, Lord help me. Anybody's welcome to go on that trip, and it's going to be for eighth graders and up. Anybody is welcome uh, to come. And those dates, we're going to have some info sessions in August. Um, and I'm already recruiting a lot, of, a lot of different people that are here. Here's the final thing I'll close with. The revolution is only beginning. This is from our founding documents. So think about this written 13 years ago, 14 years ago, okay? The revolution is only beginning. We do not yet know all the release ministries which we will begin. Part of this depends on you. You are God's revolution in the world. We expect that in the months and years to come, a variety of release ministries will be developed and launched to the community we live in. We have some ideas. We have a few ministries we would like to do together, but much of this depends on you. We need your help. How amazing to see how that has lived out the last 13 years, that how it's grown and evolved, and yet it's still true, the revolution never ends. We are always dreaming and looking for new ways to join with God's work in our community. So many of you on your own, in your house groups, serve, and you do things that many of us don't even know about. Because at the end of every service, I send you out with the blessing to say, now you go and you be the revolution. You release the love of God out into the world in every space that you enter through every place that you go. So though we unofficially officially have four that we focus on church-wide, I know that you, as disciples of Jesus Christ, are serving and releasing the love of God in lots of different ways. The revolution is only beginning. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are and for how you are at work in our lives, in our church, in our city. God, I thank you for this family, this church home that, that we can call home. I, I thank you for the ways that you continue to faithfully lead us and guide us and inspire us. God, as we just sort of are overwhelmed by the love that you have for us, would your Holy Spirit continue to inspire us that we may respond not out of fear, not out of guilt or obligation, but out of love and joy and excitement 
for the power that you have entrusted to us to go and to be the revolution. God, I ask that you would just continue to to inspire and to continue to lead us and give us ears to hear and eyes to see where you might be calling us to serve. That you would stir in our hearts, even this morning as we hear about all these opportunities, that you would give us the courage we need to maybe get outside of our comfort zone in a way that we haven't, because we know your kind of love and sharing it takes risks and it takes crossing boundaries. So God, we give you thanks that you don't leave us alone in that risk-taking mission, but you empower us by your Holy Spirit. So speak to our hearts, we pray. Give us ears to hear your call this morning that we might go. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.